0: Thank you so much for joining us today at Our Savior's Church where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about Our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I want to talk to you today from Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21. And I want to talk on the subject of living with vision. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of walk you through the beginning, uh, the beginning part of Acts chapter 21. And then I want to talk to you again on the subject of living with vision. Here in Acts 21, let me just give you a little history. Paul is on his third missionary journey. Uh, on this journey, he wasn't Um, planting new churches. He was strengthening the churches he had already planted. So he's now heading to Jerusalem with an offering for the impoverished church in Jerusalem. So in all these churches, Ephesus and Galatia and uh, all these different churches on his journey, he was there strengthening the churches, but he was also receiving offerings for the church in Jerusalem. And so now he's heading to Jerusalem to both preach the gospel to his people, as well as bring an offering uh, to that church. So Paul's motivation was a love for his people, not just relationally, but spiritually. Right. And a love for the gospel. The good news, the gospel is simply the good news, right? That God the Father loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for us so that we could have relationship with us. And we, when we say yes to him as Lord and Savior, he empowers us with his Holy Spirit, right? That is there inside of us in order to lead us and guide us and to equip us to do what God has called us to do. That's the gospel. That is the good news that we see in Scripture. So Acts chapter 21, verse 1, it says, I have a lot of Scripture for you today. Is that right? All right. all right. When he had, and when we had parted from them. So this is, Luke is writing this. There's there's seven, uh, Paul plus seven others on this journey. So Luke says, when we had parted from them. Let me just say this. Other translations say when we had torn ourselves away from them. Paul and the others had spent three years investing in the church at Ephesus and they had developed close relationships. And now they were having to leave to go to Jerusalem. And so, again, many translations literally say when we had torn ourselves away from them. And set sail. We came by a straight course to Cos, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patara. So I I want to draw your attention to something. Luke, as he writes the book of Acts, uses great accuracy in helping us follow Paul's journey throughout Acts. I don't know about you, but in the back of my Bible that I found in the lost and found because somebody doesn't read their Bible, so. One day the Holy Spirit is going to tell me which one of y'all this Bible belongs to that I, that I took out of the lost and found that you haven't read in months. All right, so uh, in back of my Bible, there's a bi- there's maps right Paul's missionary journeys, and um, and so Luke is very very accurate in giving us details. Listen to this through the Book of Acts up until this point he has named thirty two countries, fifty four cities, nine islands, and ninety five. Names of specific people and many of them, their occupation or their position. He uses great accuracy. So let's go on verses two through, two, two through four. And having found a ship crossing to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we had come inside of Cyprus, leaving it on the left or to the south, we sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre. For for there, the ship was to unload its cargo. And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. And through the spirit, they were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. So they come to Tyre and their goal there was just to unload cargo, maybe to reload cargo uh, that would go with them to Jerusalem. But while they're there, they find some other believers, some other disciples of Christ. Right. And as they're spending time together... The disciples begin through the Holy Spirit, telling them that Paul should not go on to Jerusalem. Verse 8 through 11. On the next day, we we departed and came to Caesarea and we entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. We had four. uh, He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Now, you're going to see here in just a little bit, some things get prophesied. Um, We don't know if these four young unmarried girls, Philip's four daughters, actually prophesied over Paul or if Luke is just making a point that they had a history of prophecy. Okay, Um, he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied while we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus. Let me just stop here and remind you that if you go back to Pastor Scott's sermon uh, from Acts 11, we see Agabus in Acts 11, he was a prophet and he prophesied that a famine was coming on the land uh, and it did, right? So now he has credibility, right? He's trustworthy, he, he hears from God. So a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea and coming to us, he took, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet. So Paul, uh, Agabus takes Paul's belt, but he binds his own hands and feet And said, thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Agabus is prophesying or foretelling. Right. Many people don't understand uh, prophecy. But we see in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the gifts of the spirit. One of those things is prophecy. Prophecy isn't fortune telling, it's foretelling, right? It's the Holy Spirit speaking what we don't already have knowledge of, right? And we'll talk about that more in just a minute. As we'll see, this wasn't new information for Paul. It was confirmation for Paul. Verses 12 through 14. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him, meaning Paul, not to go up to Jerusalem. And then Paul answered, what are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, listen to this, let the will of the Lord be done. Right? Listen. You may have desires for things, you may have des- you may have a concern for people, but at some point in time you got to trust God enough to come to a place where you can say we've done all we can do, now let the will of the Lord be done. Amen. So they begin to try they begin trying to talk Paul out of going to Jerusalem. I'm sure they begin to um, give him other options, right? Uh, Paul was there going to speak to the people. And I'm sure some said, listen, God will send somebody else. Just don't, you don't go. God's going to send somebody else. And Paul probably said, well, I've got this offering. I've got to bring it. Listen, God will provide for the Jews there in Jerusalem. Or we'll send it later with uh, the disciples. But you don't go because harm is. Is coming to you. Listen. Their concern was Paul's safety. But Paul's concern was the salvation of his people. They had earthly perspective. Paul had heavenly perspective. Their concern was Paul's safety. Paul's concern was the salvation of his people. It's earthly concern versus heavenly concern. It's today's concerns Versus eternal concerns. Listen, we need the mind of Christ to see people as God sees them. To see the loss as not our enemy, but someone who Christ died for just like you and I. In our culture today, there's this huge divide between you believe this and I believe this. Listen, stand for your convictions, but do not forget Christ died for them as well. And it is the heart of God that none would perish, even for those who have a pol- different political persuasion as you. Even those who have a different belief on whatever the latest controversy of the day is. Listen, they are, they, you may not agree with them, but they are who Christ died for, just like he died for you and I. And we cannot lose that perspective. We cannot lose that perspective. And I feel like we are. I feel like we see the other side as our enemy, as who we've got to listen. Be careful that you don't lose the mind of Christ. That you don't lose the fact that the heart of God is that none would perish. Think about God we talk about heavenly heavenly concerns God loved his own son Jesus but sacrificed him for the sake of our eternity listen when it's all said and done we must be able to say let the will of the Lord be done so let me ask you a question what would cause Paul after having at least two confirmations by the Holy Spirit, maybe through, through uh, those earlier in the chapter and then Agabus and maybe even the four unmarried daughters of Philip. What caused Paul to still go to Jerusalem after multiple confirmations that danger was ahead? And if you go, if you go and you read the chapter later, starting in verse 26, you will see that Paul got to Jerusalem. He was arrested and he was beaten over and over again. What would cause Paul to go even when he knows there's trouble ahead? Well, let me, share, let, me, let me give you my thoughts. I want to take you back to Acts chapter 20. Pastor Scott did an amazing job last week of, uh, of, of walking through Acts chapter 20. I want to take you back to Acts chapter 20 because I think this is where we will find the answer to where Paul got the courage or the faith or the tenacity or the guts, or whatever you want to call it, to go even though danger, even though he knew danger was ahead. Listen to this. Acts chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed from Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece There he spent three months and when a plot was made against him by the Jews as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Listen, so Paul changes his route here in chapter 20 when he hears of the plot to kill him. Here I would say he used wisdom but in chapter 21 he does something completely different. Listen to verse 13 of Acts chapter uh, 20. But going ahead to the ship We set sail for Assis, intending to take Paul aboard there, for so he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. Most translations say, intending himself to go on foot. So, everybody else is boarding a ship in Torres to go to Assis, which is 20 miles but Paul says, I'm going to walk it. I'm going to walk. But, but Paul, we have a ship. Paul, we're all getting on the ship. But Paul says, no, I'm going to walk the 20 miles. Now, we don't know why. We don't know why he did this. It's just one sentence without explanation. And so I want to give you my thoughts. This Pastor Scott may come next week and tell you I was completely wrong. He's smarter than me. Trust him. Right, But these are my thoughts. Paul already knew danger was behind him and danger was ahead of him. And I believe he walked the 20 miles by himself, just him, his thoughts and his God, because he needed to be alone with God to settle some things inside himself. Verse 3 of chapter 20, a plot was made against Paul. And I really do believe that Paul knew danger was ahead and that he needed to get alone by himself with God and get all the other voices out of his head and come to a place of resolve and define his mission and his purpose. Think about it. Jesus did the same thing. Mark chapter 1, verse 28, it's not on your screen. Mark chapter 1, verse 28 says this. And at once his fame, the fame of Jesus, spread everywhere throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. Verse 35, same chapter. And rising early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. So all of a sudden, Jesus is famous, but what he wants to do is just get by himself with God. We see it over and over again. Matthew 14, 13, Matthew 14, 23, Mark 6, 46, Luke 4, 42, Luke 5, 16, Luke 19, 18, and more. Over and over and over again, Jesus leaves the crowd to be by himself with God. To do exactly what we see Paul doing. Listen, let me just give you an interesting thought. Every time Jesus got by himself, when he came out of that time of prayer, miracles took place. You know why? Because he got away with God to be empowered by God for the benefit of people. Many times we don't want to get silent before God, but we want miracles. We don't want to go away to a desolate place, but we want God to use us. We don't want to get to a place where we're quiet, just us and God when we see the history of Jesus, when we see the path of Jesus, it was to get away, to be empowered by God, to hear from God and then come out and work miracles. I believe we don't. One of the reasons we don't see miracles today like we once did is because we never get quiet before God. Our lives, we're the most distracted people of all times. I mean, y'all are quiet. Y'all are making me nervous. Remember Psalm 46, verse 10? Psalms chapter 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. You remember the Garden of Gethsemane is recorded in all four of the Gospels? It's the night before Jesus was betrayed by Judas. It was the, the beginning of the trek to the cross. The Bible says... That Jesus went over with Peter, Peter, James and John. He left them by themselves and he went away to be just with God. Basically, he knew trouble was ahead, just like Paul knew trouble was ahead. And so what he did was get with God. Let me just share this with you. When you look at what's going on in our world... And then you go and read the book of Revelation and you read the book of Daniel and you read scripture. Let me just tell you, trouble is ahead. At some point in time, trouble is ahead. I know we like comfort. I like comfort, right? Don't lie. Y'all all like comfort. Don't make it just about me. Hey, this isn't just me. Like I don't, I'm not the only one that needs Jesus here. But if the Bible is true and the prophecies we see again in Daniel and Revelation and throughout Scripture, there's some trouble coming. And there's going to be a separation between the sheep and the goats. Those who really know God and just those who profess to know God. Right. The parable is told there of the sheep and the goats. I wouldn't plan on going here, but I will because it's important. The parable is told of the sheep and the goats at the the judgment seat, if you will. And and the, the sheep, the followers of Christ are here. But the goats who have been separated from God begin to say, didn't we prophesy? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we? They go on through the list of all the things they did. And Jesus replies to them, depart from me. I never knew you. How could they prophesy? How could they do all those cast out demons and Jesus never know them? Never know them. You know why? Because they weren't the ones doing it. They were around the people that were doing it and they just assumed that they were too. You know how it is. You watch the Saints Sunday and on Monday you're at the water cooler going, man, dude, we took them? We did. Did we smoke them yesterday? I mean, you weren't even in New Orleans you were in Kankton. but you're using the word "we" as if you know why? Because that's our team. That's okay when it comes to sports. It's not okay when it comes to the kingdom. It's not okay when it comes to the kingdom. And just because you're around people that love Jesus doesn't mean you love Jesus. And just because you're around people that are witnessing for Christ doesn't mean you're witnessing for Christ. And just because you're around people that are prophesying or casting out demons doesn't mean that you are. And there's coming a day when there's going to be a division between those who are and those who aren't. Trouble is coming. And my fear is that we don't spend enough time just us in God. We don't spend enough time simply being silent and knowing that he is God. So verse 13 of chapter 21, he walks 20 miles. Listen, and then we see verses 20 through through 25 in, verse, in chapter 20. Am I losing it? You all still with me? I don't believe you. All right, so. Verses 22 through 25 in chapter 20. This is after he walks his 20 miles, possibly to be just with him and God. He says this. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained or compelled by the spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Paul's saying, I just spent 20 miles with God, and I know trouble's coming. I just spent 20 miles with God, and God prepared me that things were not going to go well. Listen, Paul's understanding was things were going to go really well for the kingdom, but not good for him. But his passion was the people. His love was for the kingdom and the gospel. The Spirit warned him, possibly through the four daughters, definitely through Agabus, But Paul already knew he would be going into danger. Listen, the prophets were just confirming what Paul already knew. Let me talk to you about prophecy for just a second. Again, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you will see the seven gifts of the Spirit. One of those is prophecy. I grew up in a time of the church in the late 70s. I guess early 80s where everybody thought they were a prophet and everybody was prophesying. And most of it wasn't from God. I literally grew up in a church in the late 70s, mid 70s, where I saw preachers stand up and go, I want you to stand up. Lady, I want you to stand up. Sir, I want you to stand up. God told me y'all are supposed to get married. And they did. They're not still married, but. (laughs) Don't listen to every voice who says it's from God. God has given you wisdom. God has given you discernment. And if you were spending time with God, you should either feel a peace in your spirit or a check in your spirit. Here's just two thoughts for you on prophecy. When prophecy confirms what God has already told you, get ready to walk into it. There are times when God has spoken something to you and somebody prophesies or gives you a word and say, Hey, man, I was praying for you today and I really felt like God wanted me to tell you. Listen, when it confirms what God's already spoken, get ready to walk into it. And let me just say, the the seed of the prophet that we see in Ephesians chapter 4 in the fivefold ministry is still alive today. The gifts of the Spirit are still active today. We don't see them like we used to. Not all of that is bad. Sorry. Siri, get saved. I am so... Do not tell Pastor Scott about this. Hey, Gerald, here, I got a gift for you. I don't know what I said. Ask Siri. I'm done. Bow your heads. That has never happened to me. I don't think it was the spirit. I'm sorry. (laughs) Hey, so let me get back on track. So again, when I was talking about the the office of the prophet and prophecy, that is still as active today as the, voice, as the seat of the pastor or the apostle, all, all of those things. God's still speaking to his people today. Yes. So when prophecy confirms what God has already told you, get ready to walk into it. Listen, but when prophecy speaks something new, pray and wait for God to bring it to pass. Many people, somebody says, hey, I was praying for you and God told me and they just run with it. Listen, wait for God to confirm his word. Wait for God to give you the next step, right? So don't, not everybody who says they're speaking for God actually speaks for God. So we're talking about living with vision today. Finding your vision will lead to passion. Paul, Paul's What motivated Paul was a vision for his people and a passion for the kingdom. So many people let their lives define them instead of them defining their lives. And we were created for more than that. We were created by God to live a life of purpose and that is for every one of us. You remember Genesis chapter one, God created man in his own image. You were created. Listen, there are things about all of us that we don't like about ourselves. But don't forget that we were created in God's image and God is a God of purpose. God has goals. God has vision. God has plans. God has passions. And we were created for these things as well. Listen to David. Listen to the Psalmist David in Psalms 139, verses 13 through 16. This is a very, very interesting passage of scripture for the day we live in. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately swole, wo- woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. David saying, you knew my days before I was born. Listen, God created each one of us with care. God created each one of us with precision and with purpose. Before your parents knew you, God knew you and he knew what you were created for. Let me just assure you today, I don't know your story, but you weren't an accident. You weren't an accident. You may not have been on your parents agenda, but God knew exactly what he was doing. This is why God calls us to live on purpose. God calls us to live on purpose because we were created for purpose. By a God of purpose. God invites us to seek him in order to know his will for our lives. As we live out his will, we can live fulfilled, achieving our God-given purpose. This isn't always easily achieved. Life happens and when it comes with, life comes with problems and stress and bills and family issues Having a vision for ourselves that lined up with God's vision for our lives should supersede all of that. That even in the midst of our trouble, we're reminded that I have purpose. Right. Even in the midst of struggle, that we don't forget that we were created in the image of God. Because our vision is linked to our survival. Our vision is linked to our survival. We see it right here in Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. One, one, uh, several translations say where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. That's what we're seeing in our culture today. People having no common sense, no restraint, no, um, no, no um, what word am I looking for? Y'all don't know what I'm preaching? Y'all not listening? (laughs) They're casting off restraint. Just listen to some of the interviews they're doing on the news. They're making no sense. There's no substance. I listened to an interview last weekend. There was a, a, a march on an issue right here on Camellia. And they interviewed one of the people that were on marching for this cause. And she gets interviewed by the local media. This is your moment to state why you believe in your cause, right? Yeah. This is your moment to literally, you're getting interviewed by the media, the local media. This is your moment to make your case. And all it was, was F the Christians, F the F the Republicans, F my family, any family member that has voted Republican, F you and don't ever speak to me again. Listen, they're casting off restraint. And let me just tell you, you watch some of the interviews on the other side. It's not one sided. Listen, the Bible says where there is no vision, people cast off restraint or the people perish. Vision comes from the Hebrew word Kazan. It means to dream or have revelation or vision. And when we we pursue our God-given vision, great things happen. We find fulfillment and we are able to focus. But when we have no vision, we have no dream, no revelation, or no sense of real purpose. Scripture says we perish. It's the difference between surviving and living. Remember what? John chapter 10, verse 10 says that we were created not just for life, but we were created for God's abundant life. We were created for life to the fullest that's found only in Christ. To where there's vision, we flourish. Where there's no vision, we perish. Listen, when there's no vision for a godly family, over 50% of the marriages end in divorce. Divorce. When there's no vision for a healthy life, there'll be ongoing physical struggle. When there's no vision for. F- f- Man, I am. That's the spirit. Y'all just pray. This is the spirit. Pastor Scott never does that. I'm going to have to go to college. When there's no vision for financial freedom, People live paycheck to paycheck. Listen, where there's no vision for a growing, lifelong, personal relationship with God, people will live away from God or they'll live in church and be lukewarm. Where there's no vision for meaningful work, people will just exist. Again, we were created for more than this. We were created to live life on purpose and to make a difference. Let me just remind you of a few few people. It's 1963 in Washington DC on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial where a black Afro, black Baptist preacher from Atlanta Georgia stands up on August in August of 1963 and begins to proclaim I have a dream. Yes. And listen, because of his sacrifice, because of the vision that God gave him, because he pursued his vision, it is still impacting our country today. Yeah. Because somebody walked into their destiny. Mother Teresa gave her life for the mission in Calcutta because she saw that there were people there who had a need, but there was no one there to fill it. She gave her life, and today, literally, her her pursuing her vision, her pursuing her purpose has resulted in missions all across the world because somebody was willing to say yes to what they were created for. Billy Graham preached to millions and millions of people across the world, saw millions come to Christ. And today his ministry lives on through Samaritan's Purse, who's helping people in need. Listen, because somebody stepped into their destiny. Listen, we were created for a purpose. Luke nineteen ten, Jesus says his purpose, the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. John 10, 10, I've come that they might find life and have it to the fullest. The apostle Paul knew his purpose. Listen to Acts chapter 20, verse 24. I gotta hurry. However, I consider my life worth nothing. This is after the 20 mile walk with God. I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. I want to give you real quick as we wrap up four benefits of vision. Four benefits of vision. Where there's vision, there's focus. Where there's vision, there's focus. God's vision will bring focus to your life. So many people are just living with no purpose, living with no vision and living with no focus. They're just waking up, hoping hoping to make it through the day. And let me remind us, God has more for us than that. You have a greater understanding of what you're here to do When you get vision, which leads to focus. When you understand what you're supposed to do, you can better understand what you're not supposed to do. Listen, when you find your purpose. You'll leave a lot of things behind. Right. There's a whole lot of people who are just grasping. Maybe this is my. Listen, when you find your purpose, when you find your focus, when you get that vision, you'll not only find out what to do, you'll also be able to find out what you're not to do. The reason this is so important is because God's not the only one who has plans for our lives. Let me just remind us. God has plans for us, but so does the enemy. God has plans for us, but so does our culture. And listen, if you're not letting God define your culture, your your vision, your purpose, the enemy is ready to do it for you. The culture is ready to do it for you. People, family, friends will regularly bring you good ideas or what they see as an obvious obligation to you. Listen, having the focus that comes from vision will allow you to say thank you, but no thank you. I remember being 18 years old. I had just graduated high school and I didn't know what I was going to do and decided I was going to follow in my siblings' footsteps and go to a ministry called the Agape Force in Tacoma, Washington. And I remember, as I began to say, I was going to Agape Force, a family member asking to meet with me to not only tell me why I shouldn't pursue that, but why he was willing to fund something completely different for me. His heart was good. His intention was good. He just didn't understand God's will for me. Listen, be careful who you listen to. Psalm chapter one, verse one still says, blessed is the man, blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. I've said it before. I have friends that are not, that are, that are not believers, but that's not who I go to for wisdom. Right. They don't even know God has a plan for my marriage. God, they don't even know what God has spoken to me about my kids. They don't know. Don't go to people who don't understand that God has a plan for your life. Good opportunities shouldn't distract us from our purpose. Listen, vision will call you, cause you to say no to good things so you can say yes to great things. Where there's Vision there's focus. Where there's vision, there's endurance. God's plan will include some rough seasons. When you start living out your purpose, it will come with some resistance. I think in 2022, we've developed a theology that is trouble-free, that if God really loves us, we won't go through trouble. Listen, that is not found in this book. John 16:33 Jesus answers the question for us. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world you will have trouble. Are we going to quit or are we going to endure? Where there's vision, there's peace. Where there's vision, there's peace. So many people are consumed with anxiety over their purpose and their significance. Can I just tell you, I don't, I don't counsel kids and I rarely counsel teenagers. It's a specialized uh, form of counseling. And, but I get calls every single day, parents trying to find counseling for their preteens and their teens who are dealing with severe anxiety. Listen, this ought not be. But we're living in a culture that has no understanding of its purpose, that has no vision, and so they're consumed with themselves. They live in fear that they won't be enough, that they'll not accomplish anything. Where there's vision, there's peace. They don't feel like they matter. They don't feel like they have purpose. Parents, I'm just telling you, when I was sitting down writing this out yesterday, I was reminded of the verse of scripture in Proverbs that I talked about on Father's Day, about training up a child in the way he should go, talked about it, it, the word picture there is a bow and arrow, all bows were made by hand and yet to find that arrow's bend. And it really means find your child's bend. Find your child's, help them find their purpose. Listen, we need to help our children find their purpose. We need to help our children find vision. Because I'm just telling you, I think I'm mature enough that the culture won't define me, but not so for my kids. And if we don't define them, if we don't let the word of God define them, if we don't help them define their purpose in their creator, there's a whole lot of voices scream, screaming at them, trying to, go, trying to get them to go the exact opposite way of this book. There's a peace that comes from knowing who you are and why you're here. Number four, passion. Where there's vision, there's passion. Acts chapter 19 verse 10, this went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived, it lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Because of the passion of Paul, because of the passion of those who, that were with him, they heard the word of the Lord. Paul's vision was to tell others about Christ. His vision resulted in unstoppable passion. Listen to me. All great people who have done great things are all filled with passion for something. It's what drives them to continue even when they don't have to. I don't know your story, but I do know your creator. I don't know your story. I don't know your past. But I do know your creator and I know this, that our creator is a redeemer and he can take our brokenness and bring something beautiful out of it. Some of you, you had words spoken over you, words of defeat and failure spoken over you. Listen, you need to begin to hear the word of the Lord for you and quit listening to those voices from your childhood. God define us. Let's find our vision because without a vision the people perish. Would you bow your heads? Father today Lord as we read your word as we see the life of Paul who was told there would be trouble but walked into it anyway because he was listening to you not to the voices around him. Father, help us to hear your voice and help us to hear it clearly. Jesus, you said in the Gospels, my sheep know my voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Lord, help us to know your voice. Holy Spirit, help us to hear the voice of the Lord, the wisdom of God, the direction of God for us, loud and clear like never before. God, forgive us for complaining that we can't hear your voice when we fill our lives, our minds, and our ears with every other voice in our culture. Help us to get alone with you so that we can hear from you. I want you to keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. I just want to do two things real quick before we wrap up. First thing is this. You will, know, you will not know God's vision for your life. You will not know God's purpose for your life until you know God. Until you simply surrender to Him. Until you simply say yes to Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Listen, religion makes it very difficult to get to God, but God doesn't. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 simply says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He made it simple because he wants a relationship for you, with you. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is the Son of God and he was raised from the dead, whoever calls on him will be saved. Maybe you're here today and you need to take step one, and that's simply surrendering your life to God. You've never made a commitment to Christ. You've never taken that proverbial steering wheel of your life and just handed it over to God and said, God, you drive. I've made a mess of things. If you're here today and you want me to pray with you, simple prayer, I'm not asking you to stand. I'm asking you to come forward. I just want to pray a prayer, include you in a prayer. If you're here today and you say, I need to get right with God. I need to make a commitment to Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. I just want you to lift your hand right where you are and put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. I want to pray this prayer. And I want to ask you to repeat this prayer after me, but let it come right from your heart. Listen, this prayer isn't what saves you. It's the state of your heart. It's you just confessing him as Lord and savior of your life. I'm asking every believer to pray in support of these. Can you pray? Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe that you faced hell for me so I would not have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my Helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus name. Keep your heads bowed. Just keep your heads bowed. I want to ask this question. I'm asking you to take a bigger step. If you're here today and you say I really need God to help me with my purpose. Maybe I had maybe I knew what I was doing in the past but I've kind of gotten off course and I need God to get me back on track. I need God to speak to me about purpose and vision and passion. I feel like I'm just kind of making it through the day and I just need God to step in and do something bigger. If that's you, I just want you to stand on your feet. Just stand on your feet. Listen, I'm standing. Listen, I need God to help me with purpose and passion and vision. Just stand on your feet right where you are. Let's pray. Father, Lord, you see every heart of every person in this room. God, as we stand today, Lord, we know that our culture is loud and that everybody has an opinion of who we should be and what we should do. But Father, today we pray, help us to find our purpose in you and in your word. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Father, I thank you for every person standing. Every person who's simply standing as a as a means of saying, God, give me my next step in my marriage, in my family, in my finances, on my job, in my neighborhood, in my hobbies. Give me my next step. God, I pray that you'd speak to us. I I pray that you would lead us and direct us and guide us according to your will for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.